Now on to our second South African doing great things for this evening. You may have seen his name. In fact, I'm almost certain you've seen his name on some of your favorite shows, if especially if your favorite show is Mubango. And uh, we're joined by playwright, producer and director Duman Lovo on the line. He's our second South African doing great things for this week. Duma, good evening. Thank you so much for joining us on Night Talk. Thank you, Google. Good evening and good evening to all the listeners. So, U.S. Congressman Charles Rangel has declared the 9th of May as Dumanlovu and Bongeni Ngema Day in Harlem. So, firstly, congratulations. And second, what does that mean? Does that mean you have freedom of Harlem? It's, a, it's, it's equivalent to the freedom of the city. Mm-hmm. And, of course, it is because somebody or the authorities are recognizing some work that you've done and they just want to declare the day a special day for you, which is an, um, an amazing uh, honor, of course. It, it doesn't go to everybody. So it is a, an experience. Mm. Um, your, your Sarafina has been around since 1988. I know every single South African during Youth Day specifically, uh, it really resonates with them. But how many South Africans do you actually encounter overseas that stop you and say, "Hey, now Babutu from Sarafina Do you ever encounter? There's a there's a large contingency. Um, do you see? Do you, does that happen often? Well, um, one is to separate the, the the reason why we were recognized. I worked in the United States in New York to bring South African culture. So it started with the it, it was the Albert Asinamali, there was the Africa Foundation, so it was a whole bunch of things. So my recognition was not necessarily for Sarafina specifically, but it was for South African art and culture, particularly theater. Mm. I produced music, I produced Mirkema Yuma Sikela, Abdullah Ibrahim, Malombo, Nochembi, all of those art, cultural activists in mm. New York. So basically, my recognition was for the era rather than for a specific thing. Mm. Now, um, around that time, I also brought Sarafina and Mbongeni Ngema to New York, uh, where Umbongeni was being recognized for the specific works that he did, primarily Sarafina, but also Waza Albert and Asina Mali. So I think we need to make the distinction between the two. Whereas my recognition in New York is because I lived in that community for 15 years mm-hmm. and I did a lot of work. Umbongeni is specifically because of the work. So for me, Uzotolukutabandi, they recognized me because I was some kind of a cultural icon there. Yes. Not necessarily associated with Sarafina. Mm-hmm. Just needed to get, give that distinction. Thank mm-hmm. you so much for that clarification. And in terms of the arts, and I mean, you've been involved in different parts of the arts. Um, uh, this week, there was a big announcement, which some artists, a lot of creatives have said, is actually a, a game changer. We were speaking to Babu Don Laga a couple of days ago. After the announcement, that there'd be 90% music on, yeah. on public stations, okay. on the SABC okay. stations. And... Um, and he said that was a game changer. And do you think that um, we need more of that kind of intervention from the broadcaster, from the state, from the people with the influence, I guess, to say, well, let's listen, let's watch, let's read, let's consume our own stuff because there is a lot of it. A lot of it is great. 
Ah, we've lost Duma. We'll try and get him back. Uh, joined on the line by playwright, producer and director Duma Lovu, who uh, is has done a lot of work both on stage, on TV, um, and this week was given the equivalent of the freedom of the city. Um, Congressman Charles Rangel has declared the 9th of May, Duma Lovu and Bonginingema Day in Harlem, and this is for the work that they did bringing South African theatre to the United States. And of course, we'd love to hear from you uh, and what of which you know which uh, productions of uh, Dumas you enjoy or what memories you have of his productions and you can call us on 011-883-0702-021-446-0567 also taking your SMSs on 31702 and 31567 we seem to have Duma back hello Hi. Hi. Sorry we lost you there. So I'm not sure if you caught my question. So it was about the decision by the SABC with the quotas on their music stations. And the question was, do you think we need more of that in the arts and other areas of the arts in in the country? Um, and was it a good move, I guess? Maybe that's the first question. So, so interestingly, Gugu, uh, about a week ago on a Wednesday, Babu mm-hmm. Saudi uh, had called all television producers to the SABC. Yes. Very interestingly, he then asked me to say something at that meeting. Uh, and it was a huge, huge, huge uh, gathering of uh, television producers. Mm-hmm. I then got up and thanked him for the announcements he was making about television. And then I said, his work is not done because he then needs to make sure that we get 80 to 90% of music on radio stations. Mm-hmm. I said that publicly in front of everybody else, which basically says to you that I have been part of this uh, campaign for a long time. I used to be the chairperson of the Music Awards, yes. the summer, uh, for 10 years. So these are some of the things that we used to say all the time, that as South Africans, we need to be culturally aware and culturally conscious. As South Africans, we need to pay homage to our artists, to our art, and to our craft. Mm. We are the only people who can grow our industry. Uh, um, you have be, one of your main ideas is that you believe in telling African stories from an African perspective. These are the reasons Uzaro is now the country's most popular TV drama, going from 5 million viewers to a, a night to 8 million. Can you tell us more about this? Um, again, when we were proposing to the SABC a soapy, we did say to them that we believe that there is room for another soapy similar to Mubango, just in terms of uh, the accent on African stories, on the African tradition of telling stories. We believe that the success is because Abandu Bagiti, they want their stories told in the way and the manner that they understand. Mm. So we, 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 we believe that we have a formula. And that formula is telling African stories in an African way. Mm. We don't try to be American. We don't try to emulate or uh, to imitate anybody. Our stories uh, to happen in our homes, in our tiny little homes in the townships, whether it's Wamashu, Emlazi, Ekofimvaba, Monti, Epiri, so People want to see and hear our stories. Mm. We believe that they, they, this is an, an opportunity for us to do more. When we were talking about the uh, 90% music thing, I was just about to say there is another massive area that is left, which is going to be a struggle mm. because it is under the control of white people. Advertising. Advertisers are using almost 100% of 
overseas music on their ads and commercials. Yes. You know that. Each yeah. time you play a commercial, you listen to music by everybody else, the Beatles, uh, Rolling Stones, and everybody else but our music. Yeah. And there's a lot of money to be made by publishers or the publishing of the original owners of the music. Yes. China is South Africans. Rather than keep on complaining that the musicians are dying as paupers, we need to empower them. We should not create a beggar society out of our musicians. We need to give them a platform to be on television shows. The SABC has to ban overseas music on television shows. Mm -hmm. 1997, when I started Mubango, I said that opening season will be done by Philip Cabane. And some people said to me, no, no, you can't do that. I said, I'm going to do it. And I insisted. For the last 18 years, Philip Cabane's music has been an mainstay in Mubango. It can be done. We need to just insist throughout television, throughout advertising, throughout everything else. So we shouldn't talk only about African stories. Mm. We should also, those stories should be begged by African sounds, African music. Mm. And then, I mean, when Mubango started, um, and it was, I know, I started watching it because my grand started watching it and she couldn't stop watching it. Um, did you, I mean, in terms of the longevity of the the, uh, the series, the, the drama, did you ever imagine it would be, be close on two decades old? Well, I guess we didn't think of two decades, but we kept on insisting that these are the stories that our people want to hear. Mm. Uh, I was, Coco, I was uh, accused of being arrogant when we started because I said... We will bring stories that our people want to hear, and the numbers are going to prove us right. Yes. And people kept on saying to us, how do you know? Because our people are starving of, the, of our content. When we did Uzalo, I basically said that our first show is going to have 5 million viewers. And people were asking me, how do you know? Because our people are hungry for that kind of content. Mm-hmm. Of course, I didn't think 8 million, but I knew that we were going to surpass Five million. But why do I have all that confidence and it's not arrogance? It's because our people are dying to see themselves on television, mm. to hear their stories, to see their aunt and their cousin, to see that wayward son on our television screen. Mm. So we need to take our lives and reflect it on television. It is easy. It is simple. And then more than just television work, um, you also do a lot of theatre. You were saying, you know, you one of the reasons you have this recognition by the City of Harlem is because of your work in theatre. And I remember, I think it was last year, um, you were working on a new production, theatre production, called uh, The Photograph. Um, yeah. And, and, and in terms of theatre, are we going to be seeing new work from you this year? Um, yes. And if so, when? Okay, uh, this year I'm back at the Playhouse Company with an old play called The Game. And of course, excited because it is the time that we as theatre in South Africa recognize American classics. So if my play is coming back, it means that it is also being inducted as a classic. So that is exciting. Mm-hmm. But the Playhouse is also be accepted uh, to show the photograph next year. And I'm comfortable with that because, you know, theatre in this country is not as sustainable as it is in other parts of the world. But also we have another problem, Kuku. We have the problem of artistic directors who are not very comfortable with, with African stories. Uh, theatre is another that needs serious transformation mm. because we, we don't seem to be singing the same song. But this is not a platform for me to be criticising uh, artistic directors, 
It's just to say, theaters have to open up to African stories. Abandu, they are no longer going to theater because they don't see and hear their stories. The sad reality in South Africa is that the African agenda has taken a back seat. Even with our people in control, both artistically and in other areas where we should be making decisions, we forget about the African agenda. Black people seem to be very uncomfortable with the African agenda. Babunjov, um, you've said that um, some writers and directors try to emulate uh, sto- stories that are strange to the local audience and they bring stories from other continents and, and have uh, uh, black people translate them. How important are cultural nuances in telling African stories in an authentic way? Cultural nuances are everything, my brother, because you, you, you impressed your mother's uh, milk mm. and she was singing songs and she was, and she was raising you. Those rhythms are intrinsically inbred inside you. Now, when you go out into the world, those are the things that make you feel at home when you hear those stories, when you see those stories. But continuously, we are given superheroes that don't look like us. Hmm. Hence, our children are bleaching their skins today. Hence, 90% of our women are using thick hair or hair that has been imported from Bangladesh and India and all those places. Because we are not giving them nuances that say to, uh, to them, black is beautiful. Those nuances that say, be proud of who you are. Steve Dick say that once you take away people's identity, you will struggle with them in the future, them understanding who they are and where they come from. Mm. Cultural nuances in a or in a soapy, they root you. They say to you, oh, I'm not in the wrong direction. Oh, I'm comfortable with this. Oh, that looks like me. Mm. However, if we keep on keep giving them Kim Kardashian, <laughs> then our, our daughters are going to want to go and to do uh, enlighten their skins and do fake breasts and all those kinds of things because the nuances that we're giving them are not who they are. Would you say There's these... an advert that I saw when I was in the United States which stayed in my mind with a young boy, a nine-year-old black boy, looking at the mirror, and the image you are seeing was of a white Superman. Mm. And the caption said, what's wrong with this picture? Mm-hmm. Would you say then these uh, the, the stories that we tell as Africans help to, um, to pass on an identity that is authentic and that is uh, originally African instead of taking on these other roles that are foreign? Well, other societies don't tell their children African stories. Mm. Indians tell their children Indian stories. Chinese tell their children Chinese stories. Every other society in the world tells their children their own identical stories. We are the only people who, who show our kids other people as role models. Then we wonder when we have a problem with cultural identity. Then we wonder when our children act strange. And we start wondering, who do they act like? Uh Because we are very confused in terms of what we feed them. Culture is a staple food. Culture is like hip-hop, every day. It informs who you are later on in life. 
But how much of the work is also of, I guess, so you were saying, you know, it's what we feed our children and that we is often the home. So how much of that also has to happen at home? So maybe you are bombarded with, uh, you mentioned earlier, the Kardashians, but I can watch the Kardashians and know that, well, that's not me and I am whoever I am because surely there must also be work outside of just so what be- we're consuming. So because we've become a cultural village, uh, Eurocentric estates have taken over our homes. Remember that one of the biggest tragedies, tragedies of the last 50 years is the disappearance of the black male species from African homes. So more than 60% of our households are headed by women or by young children. Mm-hmm. The disappearance of the male voice in an African aesthetic has disempowered us and taken away from us the narrative that completes the African story. So when you are saying how much of that has to be uh, cultivated from home, the homes are empty boxes with just a television screen, and we've given over our lives to the television screen. We can't even tell our children how many hours of television to watch. When somebody asks me how many hours should your children watch, I say 20 minutes. Only 20 minutes? Yeah, boy. And what do they do with the other bit of time? They read books. I love that idea. Ah. I'm, I'm, I don't even know they if I'm going to... I don't even know if they I'm going to have a TV. Books. Um, you said uh, with that in mind, acting is a skill, but you also need edu- education. How important is it to balance the acting, let's say, for young aspiring uh, actors who... It is a t- it's a skill, but it, it, education is needed. How do you balance this as a young actor? If I become president of this country, if I ever become president of this country, I'm going to ban anyone who doesn't have a degree in dramatic arts from acting, either in theater or on television. So I've you must have a degree. For, I've been in the industry for 35 years. I will tell you in no uncertain terms, I'm one of the most qualified people to judge acting. People without degrees are killing this industry. I'm... I have a lot of friends who don't have degrees, and I, I'll say that to their faces. An actor with a degree is 10 times better than an actor without a degree. And I've been in this industry for more than 30 years, dealing with nothing else but actors and performances. What is the difference between an actor who's really... Two act, an actor can be skilled without an education, but what is the real va- add, add value to an actor who, who has an, educa- an education as opposed to an talented, equally talented actor who doesn't an have an education? Is, an actor, Wasami, is supposed to interpret text, mm. not to mimic, not to imitate. You're supposed to interpret text. What you are asking me is like me saying a university professor and a person who is an, an organic intellectual who didn't go to school, have, are supposed to interpret Uplato or Rousseau-Critches or Hegel. So it's, those, same thing. so it's those technicalities that can't really be learned from purely experience that you need? Well, you, you, use, your, you use the education to help you unpack the skills. But you've got to interpret text at the end of the day. Mm-hmm. And then just to close off, in addition to, so A, we still need to be telling our own stories. You're quite emphatic about people being qualified to be part of the profession. So acting being a real thing you go to varsity for, or college for, and you train for. What else does this industry need to grow and, and I guess benefit the people it is for? 
Uh, we need, uh, again, we need support. People have to support the institutions that provide uh, the, the cultural arts. But in order for that to happen, we also need to be telling the correct stories. 